Let's get you ready to record from the road. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. As we head into the holiday season, it presents a really unique opportunity for you to market your voiceover business in a special way. And that is why I've put together a brand new live training called Cash In on the Holidays. I'm going to give you a dozen different fun and unique ways that you can use holiday-themed marketing to let the world know about your voiceover business. This class will be taught live. There are two dates, November 14th and November 16th, and you can sign up and save your spot now at vopreneur.com. Click on store. Vopreneur.com. Click on store. Look for cash in on the holidays. The Vopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. The holiday travel season is upon us, and soon, in addition to countless pictures of Christmas trees and kids with Santa, will come pictures of voice actors recording in awkward spaces as they build hotel pillow forts and makeshift recording booths in their in-laws' basement or spare closet. And to help us create a little better sound while we are recording from the road is a man who has been helping voice actors get their sound right since 2005. He's considered a top authority in the voiceover recording technology around the globe. Welcome to the show, George the Tech, George Whittem. Great to have you here. I'm happy to be here. I'm putting my phone on silent because I respect you as the listener. You'd be surprised the last second. how many times that happens or in the middle of the interview, Siri decides that she wants to chime in and ask a question or. <laughs> exactly. I mean, my, are my speakers muted? Yes. Okay. We're good. We're good. Um, that's great. It's nice to see you. And yeah, I'm happy to chat travel recording. It's, I like to call it the black belt of voiceover recording because of the challenges you have to overcome while still sounding like you're at cool, calm and collected at your home studio. <laughs> And with so much focus now, especially on the quality of recordings, it, it makes a big difference when you get outside of your space, outside of your traditional booth. It, it really does matter. So, I mean, I've seen voice actors build pillow forts in hotels using ironing boards and blankets, which is one of my personal favorites. Classic. I've seen people cram themselves into hotel closets. I've seen them flip over mattresses. I've seen them flip over furniture, like standing up the couch to build a, a booth. So if we are traveling for the holidays and, and we are in a hotel, other than the tri-booth, which I definitely want to get to later, what would you say are some of the best and easiest and most sound-friendly ways to MacGyver a recording space while we're traveling? Okay, so everybody out there watching, listening, you need to already be now at this point, if you're really seriously going to be considering this, you should already be in a place in your career where you really need to do this. Yeah. this You should be doing this because if you don't do this, you are materially losing a client. You're not able to fulfill a client need. Yep. Um, that's why you do this. I, I feel like it's the only reason to do this. Take vacations when you can. Don't yes. bring gear when you can. But you have to do this at a certain point. Yep. So that being said, that if you're doing this, you already have an established sound at home, right? You you have a sound you've established. It's part of your brand. Yep. You've got certain equipment, a mic, and a space you record from that. that and, and again, if you're a pro, you've got clients that are ongoingly working with you, and they know your sound, right? Yep. This is what's difficult. 
it'd be easy if you have no established sound. You could just set up a mic anywhere in any random place. Yep. Do a reasonably good job of getting rid of the echo and stuff and get a decent recording and be fine. The challenge here is how do you take the sound that your clients are used to having from you and take that with you, right? Yeah. That's what's hard. And yep. so that, so the first thing is you have to know whistle, which my buddy Dan Leonard says calls whistle, what it's supposed to sound like whistle. You got to know that. Okay. You got to know that because you have to know what it is you're trying to achieve. Yep. If you don't know what you're listening for and you don't know, if you're not intimately familiar with your sound, it's going to be much harder, right? Yep. So that's step one. Know what you're supposed to sound like. Then two, you can look at what is available to you at that location, right? So let's take, let's, let's just pick out a random worst case scenario. You're in a hotel at an airport convention based convention. You might know of a few. Lined along the runway, airplanes <laughs> flying past your balcony. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> I feel like worst. I know where this is going. <laughs> These conventions at, at the airports. Why? I mean, I know, I know why. Yes. But why? But why? Yes. <laughs> so you're at an airport, you're in a hotel. So obviously you want to pick a hotel room that's not facing the noise. Yep. So absolutely make sure well in advance you've chosen a room that is not facing the noisy side, whether that be an airport, the major highway, yep. just the city street, be on the quiet side. That may mean, that may mean you have a crappy view. Yep. Tough. You're a voiceover actor. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Record. Sacrifices <laughs> must be made for the greater good. Yeah, so get that out of the way. Um, one, one I'll steal from Harlan Hogan because he was just on my show is uh, get get those uh, little door hanger tags that say "Do not disturb," but they still use them in that hotel. Acquire a couple of them somehow <laughs> and put them on the doors of Jason and the upstairs room. Why? Because when you're recording, you don't want that the vacuuming to be happening and you don't Valid, want yes. housekeeping to be working in the rooms near or above you. So that will hopefully keep them at bay. That you got to take a, them off though. You can't leave them there. Yeah, that is a good pro tip. Now that's, that's like next level. That's something I had never thought of before. I got to give Carl Harlan credit for that. Level. Yeah. So that's, that's another one. These are, these are hacks. These are like life hacks. Yep. So those are a couple of things. So you don't, you can eliminate or reduce the noise from the source at this point. If there's a fridge in your room, chances are it's making sound that you may not even realize is in the recording. Unplug the dang thing. I do like the ironing board on the desk method Yep. because the trick is you take a big, heavy comforter duvet, like ask for an extra blanket. Mm-hmm. Tell them you have, I have poor circulation. I need whatever it is. Just get another blanket yep. from housekeeping. Yep. And then you, before you put the table on there, before you put the folding table on the desk, throw the blanket over it. Let, let it drape over the back. So most of it's over the back. Put the ironing board on there, or you can use the luggage cart, the luggage uh, yep. thing. Then you, then you put that on, and then you flap that big heavy blanket over the whole arrangement, right? So now you've got this, it's covering the table, the wall, and it's over your head. Yep. And then sometimes it might be even big enough that it drapes down behind you. Now you've created a, a, a dead chamber yep. around you in which you can work. If you can avoid it, don't have anything touching you. Um, I know people in a real pinch have sat literally sat on the bed with a blanket over their head, right? That yep. is just a nightmare scenario. And it's usually, again, people that absolutely have to get something done. They have, it's just, they're, 
it's a TV network affiliate or something, and they yeah. got to get it done yep. just at all costs. Don't do that. It's going to be a nightmare for you. So make sure whatever it is that you're doing isn't resting on your head or touching you, because if you move, that's going to make sound, it's a rustling right? Rustling sound. Yep. Yep. So now that you've gotten rid of all those reflections or as many as you can, now it's just a matter of getting the mic in a good position. A lot of these mics, some of these mics that you buy come with cute little tripod stands. They are pretty much all universally useless because the mic is now down really low. Yep. It's not where it needs to be. So um, I, I wasn't thinking in advance to have my show and tell. And I don't even know if I have one of these anymore, but there's these really cool mic arms that have a clamp on one end, okay, like yep. an A clamp. Yep. And then they have a bendy black snake looking thing. Yep. The brand name actually that came up with them that's now been knocked off, but it's called the Stage Ninja Scorpion. Okay. Yep. I've seen those. These are fantastic. One, they're very, very light. You know, they're just all plastic, so they travel really well. They don't, they're not heavy and bulky. Two, you can clamp them to all kinds of things. So you can clamp it to the leg of the ironing board, to the top of the ironing board, to a lamp post, to the headboard, to the rod in the closet, yep. <laughs> the yep. steering wheel of the car, the headrest to the back of your car. Yep. It never ends, right? Unbelievably flexible, useful. They're really good. Now, they can't hold really heavy mics, but I wouldn't be traveling with a really heavy mic anyway. You're not bringing your U87 on the road? Well, yeah, I wouldn't travel with a big, bulky, large diaphragm mic. Yep. You're setting yourself up for frustration. Yep. The microphone, a good condenser studio mic, Neumann TLM 103, and all of its ilk, even the, 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 just because it's here, the Rode NT1 is in that same category. Large diaphragm condenser with extremely high sensitivity. These are going to be much more challenging to work with. You're going to be much happier having a more of a shotgun style mic yep. like this one. This is an AT875R. It's a great budget mic. Well under 200. That was going to be one of my questions because I know for me, I am at a point now where I have a 416 and so I can travel with the 416. And you yep. know, in a, in a perfect world, we would all be able to do that, but we can't because they are cost prohibitive for some people to have as a travel yeah. mic. And so you may not want to take your primary home studio mic and travel with it. It yeah. feels so, kind of risky. What was the, the, the AT, what was it again? You said, so this is the, this is one made by audio technica. It's been around a really long time yep. and it's called the AT 875 R. Okay. Clearly this was designed as a video mic. It was, it's very lightweight yep. aluminum. It's designed to be like mounted to a camera. It just happens to sound really good on, on voice. It's it's a really pleasing sounding mic for voiceover. It's it's major, I'd say it's only Achilles Hill is its self noise is a little higher. So if you put this right up against a good studio mic, this one will have more hiss. It's gonna right. have more hiss. But I'm telling you in a in a travel scenario in a hotel, that little bit of hiss is not going to be my, really a factor because yeah. other noises in the environment are gonna be louder than the the hiss of the mic, right? Are there any so other- So a mic like this is good. Are there any other shotguns like that? Like you said, that one's with a couple hundred bucks or something. Anything else yeah, that you recommend Yeah, under that? 200. Yeah. Um, Rode has several shotgun mics in the affordable price range. I think their NTG4 is their best affordable okay. one in the $300 range. And they have the NTG5, which is really more akin in sound quality to the, to the 416. So if you want a stunt mic that's very similar in quality of sound okay. and about half the price, yeah. 
the NTG five is the one to to go with, okay. right? So there are definitely tiers from 150 to 500 that you can look at for and that's probably. I mean, that'll depend on where you're at too, right? If you're looking to have a microphone so that you can record some auditions on an extended break or something, that's one thing. If you're, you know, Joe Cipriano and you're on call for promo, that's something very different. And you're and you're having a, a you know higher upgraded microphone at that point. But it's nice to know that yeah. there are some some in the range there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, there's a range. This is still my, this is still, and there, there's always new mics coming out all the time. There's so, the Cinco D2, which people think that they like, and I never do when I hear it. Um, <laughs> Cause it looks a lot like a 416. So if you were like, oh, that's a, that's a 416 uh, substitute. I'm like, well, it is in, in shape, but it is not in sound. It's a completely different sounding mic. This one is a little bit more akin. Has 2023 been a year of preparation for your voiceover business? Maybe this has been the year that you've been laying the foundational building blocks for your business. Working on your coaching, working on your demos, working on getting your home studio set up and making sure that your sound is dialed in just right. And of course, making sure that you've got a website where you can drive traffic to so people can hear those amazing demos you recorded. The next piece you need is the marketing. VoiceOver Marketing Playbook is coming back January 8th through the 17th, 2024. This is your step-by-step marketing program, an easy-to-follow video course that is going to teach you how to find your own leads, build your own client base, and become the consistently working voice actor that you want to be. When you have the demos, when you have the coaching, when you have the studio, and you have the website, you have everything that you need to market. Let me show you how with VoiceOver Marketing Playbook. Again, it's coming back January 8th through the 17th, 2024, and details are available at voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. That's voiceovermarketingplaybook.com. Now, back to our show. Let's talk about something. You touched on it, and since we're talking microphones anyway, say you've got your whatever it is, your 103 or your 416, you know, you've got your, your fancy mic in your studio at home. But yeah. you are getting a different mic that you're going to use when you're traveling because you can't take that mic, don't want to take that mic. Like you said, trying to yeah. record with a U87 yeah. in a hotel room, not going to work. Right. Are there things that we can do then to be able to match sound? Because, mm. you know, say you record e-learning, right? I do a lot of e-learning. So if I record e-learning in my studio and then my client says, you know, I need you to do this emergency pickup and I'm, I'm traveling and now I'm recording in a completely different space and a completely different microphone. How do we overcome that or can we? Yeah, that is definitely where the rubber meets the road. This is the really hard part about travel. It's not just to get a mic set up and get it recording and working and get the noise levels under control and get rid of the echo in the room. Those are all important. But the matching part is the really, really critical and difficult part. So there's things that you can control a little bit. So, for example, and this is kind of just speaking off the cuff here because I hadn't really addressed this idea before, but... So this is a scoop or it's BS. You can decide. <laughs> if you, at home, if your booth is literally a booth, you're in a, in a small enclosed space that you yep. record in, closet, whatever. Yep. If you go to a hotel room and just sit at a desk and put a few pillows around you, do not expect that to sound remotely yep. like your booth. It is not going to. Yep. You have this big reverberant echoey space uh, around you, Right it's not going to match more than likely. It's going to be very different. So if you do work in a very small, enclosed, dead space like a ISO booth, you have to try to simulate that. And I think maybe that's why the 
going to the lengths of creating this like dead space all the way around you right. with the blankets and stuff is going to be important. Vice versa, if your recording environment home is more of a lively space because you don't use a booth, you record in a bigger open space. So your sound has a little bit more liveliness, kind of like I'm just in an office space in my room. So it's got a little bit more reflection. It's sure. a little bit more live. If I conversely go into my cocoon in my room and it sounds super dead and muffled, again, that's not going to match gonna either. Yeah. So that might be something else you might give some thought to if you're really trying to match something. I would not try to do something. The worst idea ever is to pick up a project midway through like an audio book or yeah. maybe e-learning and try to just pick it up as you travel and then and then come back home. I definitely don't recommend doing that. It's such a difficult thing to get those things to match. Yeah, that that it, does sound like a nightmare scenario. Yeah, it's so difficult to get that to match. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, thinking about the space that you record in versus what you do on the road is yep. probably one of the things that's going to help. Um, another thing is what I call tone matching. I actually offer this as a service because this is definitely one of the more difficult things that I do as an engineer, which is somebody sends me a sample from home. They, I'll usually say, send me a sample dry and then one with your processing, whatever it is that you process. Okay. If you do that, yep. send me both. Send me a sample from the portable or the travel kit or the booth that you have or the tri booth or whatever it is. Send me that sample. Now you're going to have to plan in advance. Let me know you're going to do this when you're traveling. Then I can get back to you in a timely fashion. Right. And then I will make an EQ adjustment, usually just EQ, that will try to match tonally the way those two mics and spaces actually sound because they will have different resonant frequencies. One will have more mid range or a nasal sound or right. a boxy sound or I'll have all these other weird things going on. And I will try to accommodate with a, with a setting and a preset, whether whatever doll, every single doll recording software has EQ, okay. every one of them. So I'll always have access to some kind of EQ to, to tune. And it's, it, it's, it's, if the sounds are different, when they have different weird peaky frequencies, it's so much harder to get them to match. Right. The better the booth sound is at home, the easier it's going to be because it will be easier for me to to match it. You know, the worst case is when I get a, this is my home studio and it's yeah. like, not great. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, that's their sound. How am I going to match that? And then I have to match that with their road setup. Sometimes the road setup sounds better than the home studio. <laughs> I can see that. Like, now what are we going to, yeah. this happens more often than you would imagine with like the tri-booth because that thing works so well yep. uh, that it, it sometimes their tri-booth sounds better than their whisper room, for right. example. <laughs> so then you're like, now what do I do? Now, so now, it, now. yeah, it's an interesting process, but matching the tone is a challenge for sure. So what about things like, and, and I know this isn't going to match the, the sound specifically, but you've got like noise reduction on Adobe Audition that allows you to, you know, record room tone or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the noise um, print. Or yeah. uh, RX10, I think it is, has this new AI repair assist thing, right? Where you yeah, yeah. sample the audio. Can you use things like that to try to correct certain issues? Yeah, th those will correct for uh, things that, th those will correct for things that those softwares have control over, which is room tone or noise level. Um, those tools also have tools for correcting mouth noise, uh, removing mouth clicks, things like that. 
What I haven't seen yet, and not I'm not going to say it's not going to come because I guarantee it's going to come, is they don't have a, that additional ability yet to take a source file and automate gotcha. the matching EQ. Right. I guarantee this is coming because there are EQs already in existence that can help with this task. Right. They will analyze, listen to a source, and create a an EQ model to try to match the source. These things do exist. They're just not commonly, they're not going to be included with any of the DAWs that I know of yet. Yeah. So I always try to do it manually. But this is probably, I, I would, if it's not Isotope RX11, maybe it's going to be 12, but eventually they're going to have that. So you'll be able to do that more easily. But for now, repair, repair assist is really just about literally repairing, trying to get rid of noise, trying to get rid of mouth noise, it, things that it can do within its control. Yep. And those tools are fine, but I, I find it almost always they overcook it. Yeah. So you're going to have to detune it a bit. So whatever it thinks that you should do, use your ears um, and, and back it off a bit because they just... I think Isotope's getting better at that, but there seems to be this need to like, they want to make sure that the person using it hears a difference. Right. So they know why they bought the thing. And then they take it too far. Yeah. Because I can't hear the difference. Why do I even bother? Well, you may not hear the difference, but the client or the engineer might hear the difference. We So yeah, that's, that's a, that's a thing. But yeah, I would say Isotope's a good tool to have at your arsenal or in your toolbox to deal with noise issues that are on that, you know, on the location it's still going to come down to you knowing your sound from home and knowing to listen for it. You again, you should easily be able to have access to your own file from home that you recorded and reference that file. Right. You know, if it's a ongoing corporate client or something, you should be able to just jump into that yeah. Dropbox folder and pull up a file, listen to it, and and have a reference so you know what it is you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that makes sense. That's. I mean, that's one of the reasons why when I was buying. A microphone after I, you know, when I made my first microphone upgrade, I said, I, I want one microphone that I can have in the studio or at home because at that point I was traveling a lot and mm. I didn't want to have to worry about trying to match. And so I thought at least if I'm yeah. recording with the same microphone, maybe it's not always the exact identical space, but at least if it's the same microphone, it matches a little bit. And then I've picked up, you yeah. know, I know it is in my notes in my Hilton honors now uh, to request a room that is removed from the elevator, for example. Oh yeah. The elevator. But yeah, we yeah. travel, uh, we travel to visit my wife's family. Uh, often they live about eight hours away and the hotel that I stay at is right beside the fire station and all the Adobe, you know, noise canceling or whatever is not going to remove when I'm mid recording and all of a sudden a, a fire truck pulls out or whatever. So there's, there's always going to be those little things along the way. That's changing by the way. It will be able to remove the fire trucks because it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> well, Isotope, again, I think they're they're kind of a wait and see, or maybe they're behind the curve. They haven't been so heavy on the AI noise reduction yet, but the there are AI noise reduction tools that are supernatural in their ability to remove random sound because what they do is they listen to the audio, analyze the audio using thousands and thousands of voice models, right, through machine learning, and they go. Well, human voices sound like, on average, something like yep. this. Yep. Then it listens to your voice and say, oh, well, your voice sounds like this. Okay, right. we get that. Now we've made a model of your voice. Well, what's everything else? Noise. Noise. So what it's, what it's able to do is subtract your voice, or really subtract everything except your voice from the recording, including birds, dogs, animals, vehicles, trucks, 
impact noises, like all sorts of crazy. So your your neighbor's wood chipper is not going to be a problem anymore. They're you know they're <laughs> out there with their chainsaw in the middle of your Source Connect session, and <laughs> it does it does depend on the signal to noise, right? right. So if the noise is like approaching the volume of your voice, not going to happen. Then you're in trouble. <laughs> then you're in trouble. But if the noise is maybe I don't know thirty decibels or less than your than your voice. You have a much better chance of these tools being able to uh, uh, clean that up. And it's, again, the worse the noise problem, the harder the tool has to work, the least likely the results are going to be great. But you will be shocked how some of these things, one of them is Waves Clarity VX plugin, and there's many coming on the horizon already that have this ability to do this through machine learning. And so they can... I, I don't tell people to use these tools as a everyday plug-in, drop it into a preset. I tell them to have a tool like this when you just got to pull out the big guns. You're like, right. well, I got to pull out the clarity because, dang it, that was a great take. Yeah, <laughs> There's a random sound. It's right on the syllable. I can't remove it manually. Then then you can process with clarity. And it, it's it's a weird tool. <laughs> it, it it actually doesn't always do the same thing twice, which is what makes it such a weird one to use. Right. But when it works, it's it's like magic and you can deal with those really bad noises. So let's talk about you you mentioned earlier about the car. Oh yeah. We're we're setting up these pillow forts and we're, you know, like I when I see guys that are like flipping up the couch and trying to stand inside of the couch and stuff, I'm like, that mm-hmm. just feels like a lot of work to me. Or mattresses. Right. <laughs> you flip the mattresses. Something that I think we never think about as a recording space is mm-hmm. the car. But it seems to me that they're engineered to try to keep at least a level of noise out. Is that an alternative if you needed to? Could you go if your car is in a quiet space or you drove it to a quiet space? Is it a place where you could record and get a clean sound? I mean I I have a client whose name I don't recall, but he actually would re, he would choose to record in his car over the home studio because the home studio was not the quietest environment when the family was home. Sure. And this was during the pandemic. Okay. Necessity is the mother of invention. So yep. he would have to do source connect sessions which would which require quiet on demand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so he would he would actually run a long mic cable and a long headphone extension out the garage door or out through the house into the garage. He would go in the car, set up in the car and do the session from inside the car because it, he was able to get the sound of the car sounding just as good as, as his booth and the noise was lower. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cars are especially quality cars. Of course, luxury cars are designed to reduce noise. I mean, that's part of what you're paying for. They have a tremendous amount of, uh, it's called Dynamat. It's like all this heavy rubber dampening inside the body panels. It's got all sorts of stuff, heavier glass, all kinds of things to try to keep the quiet inside the car. Um, And so they do a pretty darn good job. Are you going to pull it off, pull off on the shoulder of a freeway? Heck no. But (laughs) off an exit, down a side road, if there's no fire truck going by, probably you can get a pull off a pretty good sounding recording. So yeah, cars are cars are designed to be quiet and they're designed to be also nowadays acoustically tuned for sound, for music and, yeah. and their sound systems. Again, as the luxury cars are going to have a lot more attention to this, but really, I mean, it's amazing how good a, a car can sound. Now, I've had clients get away with sitting in the front seat right at the steering wheel. Yep. 
I sometimes that can work. I mean, if you can get yourself your hands on some pillows and throw them up on the dashboard, sure. to cover the glass, yep. all the better. I just feel like you're going to get better results sitting in the back seat and have the mic like behind between the headrests. So now the glass is all about as far away from the microphone as you can get it. And you're going to have less issues, I think, with reflections and, and stuff like that when you're more in the back seat. But that's it just depends on the car and the situation. It's it's one of those things that I, I've actually had to do it before. I've actually had to pull off and, you know, when I'm traveling for vacation and record an urgent audition and and I recorded it in the back seat of the car and, you know, stuffed some pillows around. And I was actually quite surprised. Client had no idea that that was where I recorded. That's got got to the hotel that night, had booked the job. So then, you know, go through the process again. Never occurred to me, just go back out in the car and record the dumb thing. So of course, you know, at that point, I'm like trying to build the pillow fort and everything. <laughs> right, but, right. Yeah. Wait a minute. So you, you auditioned from the car and booked the gig and the gig was the same day? Yeah. Book, booked Holy it like a couple hours later, I got into the, got checked into the hotel and I had an email to record it. And so, because I'm not smart enough to just go back and record in the car where I started <laughs> and I'm, you know, yeah, trying that to, would have been, I got this yeah, picture, counterintuitive, but yeah, that probably would have been better. I got this picture of my wife. There, there was a, like a giant piece of furniture, like that the TV's on and it's got the drawers in it and the fridge is built into it. Like this thousand pound piece of furniture that we could not move. And my wife, thankfully, is very, very small. And so I've got this amazing picture of her, like, crammed behind it, trying to unplug the refrigerator so that we could make the room quiet. And now I'm sitting here listening to you talking. And, you know, a couple of years later, I'm like, you bonehead, why didn't you just go back and record the thing in the car? So, yeah, yeah, we, we talked microphones and you gave some good suggestions about microphones. What about interfaces? Because, you know, I'm guessing if you don't want to take your your U87 or your your 103 or whatever fancy microphone you've got chances are you don't necessarily want to pack up your apollo and and put it in your carry-on suitcase or yeah. whatever either so are there some budget-friendly interfaces that are relatively small portable that you you say this would yeah. be a good one for you so the best portable interfaces sometimes are not always the budget friendliest because okay. they're more pro quality sure and there's a brand that always comes to mind when I think of that is, which is called Centrance. Okay. Right. Centrance is really most famous for the MicPort Pro. This is the audio interface that came out with 12, 14 years ago that I was a big proponent of. It just looks like a an aluminum cigarette tube. It's just like this long. Yep. Um, has a few knobs on the top and a button on the end. And that's it. Real simple. Okay. And these things worked really, really well for recording on the road because they were super compact, very lightweight, and still maintained very good sound quality. They used good, good parts. That product has evolved, and now they're up to the the MicPort Pro Three. Um, it's added more bells and whistles as things tend to go, so it's gotten more expensive. It's in the three hundred dollar ballpark, but it it has the right sets of tools. It's got an extremely good preamp, a really good headphone monitor control mix knob that lets you blend yourself with your director or the client. So it makes it easier to set up your headphone monitor. Um, it has a good, it has a high pass filter switch. So if the microphone you're using is still too low frequency sensitive, it's, you're still getting some of that rumble from the freeway or yeah, the airport. Okay. Yep. You can gauge this little HPF and now the mic will not be, it will not be as sensitive at the low end of the mic sound okay. uh, spectrum. Right. So that cleans up the waveform right there. Okay. It also has a limiter. Now, this is a weird name for it because it's not really a limiter. It's really just a compressor. 
But what it's going to do is it's when you're doing a live session, it, it decreases the chances you're going to clip and create distortion. Okay. So if you're doing animated stuff where your energy level is kind of all over the place, sure. having something like this is really, really nice to have. That's built in. There are very few products in this category, certainly even in the, in the portable category, that have those features, which makes it really stand apart. If you're on a more budget side, um, Sure came out with a new one. They used to have the X2U. That's, that's what I used to use, yeah. Yeah. I, you, I don't know if they produce it anymore because they've now replaced it with a new model. But the X2U was a really great budget-friendly version. Um, it was reasonably good. It can only record 16-bit wave, which these days I recommend 24-bit. But still, if you're just trying to pull off a record on the road or you want to have a light travel kit, this was another nice alternative. Again, a much better price point. Now, sure has the MVX2U. Okay. Um, so they've just taken the, the 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 idea of that product. I'm looking at it just to make sure I'm giving you right information. But it's just another idea on the same thing. Plug it into your mic, plug your headphones and a USB cable in, and you've basically converted any microphone you have into a nice, a high quality uh, USB microphone. So you get preamp, you can get monitor mix and other bells and whistles too. That whole bells and whistles issue to me is a bit of a problem. There's so much gear now that relies on software, control panels, and firmware yep. to set up settings, dial them in, get them working, which for the engineer geeks is great. We love tweaking and messing sure. around with controls. For the actual performer, that stuff's not very performer friendly because when you take away physical knobs and buttons, yeah, that may seem to simplify it because there's nothing on the unit. Yep. But when you do need to make an adjustment rapidly, mid-session, make a change to something, it's much more difficult when it's relegated to a control panel somewhere else on the you know, in a software application, sure. right? So it's a it's just this double-edged sword. You know, we're progressing towards digital everything. Yep. But I I miss the physical knobs and controls of gear. At the really budget end, Personas does make one. I think it's called the Audio Box Go. Okay. I think it's it's well over it's well under a hundred. It's like eighty bucks. Okay. It's really inexpensive, and it's really compact. It's really lightweight. It's really chintzy made plastic. <laughs> I don't know how long one will last. Yeah, I was going to say how long will how many travel uh, trips through the airport <laughs> security will it survive? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but uh, you know, at seventy nine bucks, maybe you buy two of them. I don't yeah. know. But that's a really lightweight, inexpensive, portable interface that still gives you actual controls. It's got a gain knob. It's got a headphone monitor level mix knob. It's got the basic pieces you need to to record on a, in a portable format. You know, so um, that's another option for you to keep the prices under control. You bring up another interesting point, talking about how you know some of these things they're taking away the knobs and putting it into digital and and giving you bells and whistles, which bells and whistles are nice, but Strictly speaking, as a voice actor who's recording, how much of these bells and whistles do we need slash want mm. anyway? Because anything that you do on the signal going in, it becomes harder to to alter after, right? So should we really even be playing around with some of this stuff anyway? Or is it something where we have you set it up for us once and then, you know, don't touch this again? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the king of the audio interface of bells and whistles is this one. Yes, the Apollo. 
Yes. It has <laughs> this, all the bells and all the whistles. It's got all the bells, and it, they add new ones all the time. Yeah. And then they say, but download the new plugins that yeah. we have, right? So this is the ultimate in overkill functionality, layers of function that are far beyond what most people would ever need, difficulty and confusion of setting up things, basic yep. things that should be easy, like loopbacks and yep. just a handful. Um it's, I mean, it, it has, a, if, if I could dumb this thing down and, and I don't mean to say that you guys are dumb, but we know that there are things that are just unnecessarily complex, complicated yep. because they were not designed for performers. They were designed for engineers. They're designed for home engineer, music songwriter, people that have hours and days to tw tinker and twiddle. Stuff for pros means you pull it out, it's set correctly or has the right features that you need at your fingertips immediately. That's to me the what a professional product is for a for a performer. It has a high pass filter. That's great. A lot of gear doesn't. So I feel like anything with a high pass filter is an advantage for most people because that is always our problem. Right. Too much low end rumble and stuff. Okay. But what you're getting in the Apollo ecosystem is a huge never-ending upgraded list of virtual processors yes actual models of hardware boxes that are legendary pieces of equipment from studio lore starting back to the 50s that can be inserted into the signal chain and if you are a producer type and you love gadgets this thing is the right. best it's just incredibly it's just incredible. The sound, the flexibility you can get out of it is amazing. But that comes with responsibility. Yeah. Again, learning curve. More to think about when you're traveling. More stuff to carry. This is, I would say it's a portable-ish thing, but it's still pretty bulky and heavy. You absolutely have to bring a power supply that plugs into this. So you got to have that with you. I think it's the price point is part of it too for, you know, not everybody wants to stick that in their suitcase with... Airlines are not the most reliable sometimes when it yeah. comes to getting your luggage to your final destination, right? So yeah, the absolute minimum price point to start with one of these product lines is is at least six hundred bucks. Yeah, right. So who is it for? I would say it's for people that do have a very established sound. They use one at home already. They do a lot of promo and television work where their sound has. They just have a brand right. in their sound. It's got. I use the API vision channel strip and I use the manly Vox box, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And that's kind of baked into your sound. Then it makes more sense to have something like this. Cause then you can literally just like taking the same mic along the road on the road, it's going to give you the same basic sound. You get the same processing, but yeah, once you get married, locked in essentially to having those plugins, you, you are locked into the, having those plugins. You have to have those to continue to get that sound, yep. not you don't have to. It's a lot easier if yes. you already do. Right. I do match sound for people like, oh, this is what I use at home, but I'm going to have this on the road. I'll do my best to match the tone with other plugins. But it's um, it's definitely much more difficult once you get locked in to a certain set of tools yeah. that are yep. hardware based. You have to bring that thing with you. Yeah, I I feel like more buttons for me just means more things to screw up. <laughs> Well, I, I also don't like products where one knob does many jobs, right? Yeah. The whole thing with you've got this knob here, yep. but it depends on what 
whether you press this one with selected or this one yeah and if you press this one twice then it does something else press this one twice it does something else when this button's pressed this row of buttons changes from one set of functions to another set of functions you're constantly stressed you talk about it (laughs) yeah this is also a button oh my gosh it's like so it can be frustrating once you learn how to use it and you get around it it's fine but it's it can be really frustrating to make quick changes on the fly. You can't do it. First of all, you can't just reach over and do it. You have to stop, look at the unit, press buttons, look yep. at the screen and see what it's doing. Whereas a thing with just knobs on it, you can only, you can do it by feel. You just reach over and feel it's this knob and turn it, right? That's, again, in the heat of a session, a Source Connect session, a big client yep. thing, and they're like, knock your gain down, please. Or they play back the return level is really hot in your headphones and you're just cringing. You just reach over and tweak a knob real quick. That kind of adjustability on the fly is what you're going to really appreciate. And that's why I'm not a big fan of these for everybody. The the Apollo stuff is just scary sometimes. This brings up another interesting point, and and this isn't specifically related to travel, but I want to get your take on this because it's something that comes up all the time. And it, somebody just recently came to me with it again. We're talking about, you know, you've got all these bells and whistles and, and what bells and whistles do you apply? How do you apply them properly? Do you apply them on the signal going in or do you apply them in post, et cetera, et cetera, mm. et cetera. Let's talk specifically about auditions. Mm-hmm. How much cleanup should we do? What, what is your definition of raw audio? Let's start with that because I think everybody has a different definition <laughs> of raw audio, but how much cleanup should we be doing on our auditions? And, and I'll use the word cleanup, assuming that, you know, you know, is it EQ? Is it compression? Is it mm. processing? Blah, 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 blah. Or is it just yeah. taking out mouth clits, et cetera? Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Well, I, I think at the very bare minimum is to take out the rumble, right? So again, I go back to the high pass filter, right. having some tool to preemptively remove just stuff that's just pure garbage right? that absolutely provides no service to anybody. Um, just having preemptively removed that before you send out the file is one very basic thing that you can do to a raw file. And the other thing you can do to a raw file is just correct the levels. It's difficult to record consistent level every time. It's very hard to set your gain correctly so that your performance level and your gain setting is consistent so that the files you send out are at the right levels all the time. Okay. Um, that's a lot to think about as an actor because you're not telling you if you're, if you're looking at your script and you're looking at a VU meter on the side of the screen, you can't be, you can't be doing that. And if you're trying to listen to it in your headphones, now you're focusing on your voice and yeah, yeah, it is way too much. You're definitely not in the role at that moment. You're doing too many things. Yep. So, so record with a lower level. It's okay. We used to say you really need peaks between minus six and minus three that's kind of the old days now with 24-bit recording the system captures a tremendous dynamic range you can actually record with much lower level peaking at minus 12 even and it's it's perfectly fine because well we can normalize the audio later so to me the two basic things i would probably do is high pass filter out the rumbly stuff and normalize the audio so that each file you send out is consistent in level. It just makes their life a little bit easier. Don't normalize to zero. You don't want your files to have peaks right at zero. 
I do normally minus three as my peak, so I'm not close to getting to zero. Um, minus six, it, whatever it is, just do it to just be consistently doing it all the time. Um, and that way, every time the client gets that file from you, they know those things are being done. If it's an audition, raw can take other forms. So you can take it a little, it's one of those things. If you know what you're doing. Just like, give me a definition of conversational, right? You get a hundred definitions. Give me a definition of raw, right? Every Everybody's got a different take yeah. of what raw so is. So raw might mean that you also apply a little room tone noise control to right. drop the room tone a little bit. So if it's normally minus 55, you make it minus 65 with some very tasteful processing, right? That would still be basically raw because they're going to take your file they're still going to have complete control over EQ, compression, limiting, all that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, it's definitely not raw is if you're compressing and limiting the file. In other words, you're messing with the dynamic range Okay. because that stuff can't be fixed in post. There, uh, it's very hard to correct for it. Once it's been compressed dynamically, the damage is done. Very hard to undo that. So you definitely, definitely don't want to go there. EQ is sometimes also part of my raw audio because I might be using an EQ that's what I call a corrective EQ. So if someone's home studio, their booth is not perfectly tuned acoustically, so I hear a little bit of a ring at 180 hertz. Um, there's little things that I, I smooth out with EQ. Okay, That might be part of that raw sound. So what you're doing is you're sending them audio with, again, tastefully carefully controlled EQ that smooths out some of those anomalies. Yep. So the file they get from you is as clear and clean and uncolored as possible. And then that gives them the ability to now very easily adjust and clean up and post. Whatever, so, however and, they decide to ruin it after that, that yeah. that's their problem, right? <laughs> so a raw file could theoretically have three or four different processing right. levels applied to it and still, in my opinion, be considered raw. Um, someone else I know said, it's like pre-washing the dish before it goes in the dishwasher yep. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Amanda Rose Smith said that once. But it's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's be careful. If, if you absolutely don't know what you're doing and they say send it raw, just send it raw, yep. you know? Um, but someone like myself, I can listen to your audio. I can do what's called a sound check. You can send me your audio raw and with your processing now, both. Just send me both versions, and I'll tell you like how off base you are, or maybe yep. you nailed it. I'll tell you yep. what it is that you're doing so you can take the guesswork out. Right on. Well, we've, we've touched on the idea of travel through the airport a couple of times now. Do you have a preference on carry-on versus checked bag when uh, we're bringing our gear with us? Uh... Man, it seems like check baggage is just becoming kind of on average worse than better in terms of how they handle bags. How many Apple AirTags do you need to have in your suitcase before you send your gear that way? I have had good luck with bags lost. I've never had one lost, but I've yeah. certainly had more bags broken in the last few years than, yeah. I, than I did before. Now when I go buy a bag at Ross, I get the ugliest, weirdest looking bag because <laughs> I want it to stand out and yep. I know it's going to be broken in, a, in the next year yep. or two. So, um, I would, the very least I would carry on with my, I would carry on my mic. Um, when you put it on the belt, if you're not TSA pre 
<laughs> when you pull out your laptop, pull out the mic and put it on the belt next to the next to the computer right. so they can see what that is. is yeah. The bigger the airport, the less of a problem. The smaller the city, the smaller the airport, the less likely they've seen your shotgun mic. Right. Yes. Don't tell them you have a shotgun mic. Tell them you have a microphone in here. <laughs> put it in the tray. Don't pack it inside a PVC pipe and make it look like a, a oh pipe Oh, my bomb. God. <laughs> Road, Road had a beautiful machined aluminum tube for their mic that yep. threaded on. It was gorgeous. But man, did that thing look, look exactly. like a pipe bomb. When I got my 416, oh that was one God. of the very first things I did was I went out and bought PVC pipe. And then I got the the round insulation that you can stick inside of it. So then the, yeah. the mic just fit in there perfectly. Now, I used that when I was just driving places or whatever. I never tried to take it through the airport. But that was like because I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to see. Not this. They're going to think it's a pipe bomb and I'm going to end up with a full body cavity search or something. So <laughs> I know I know my buddy Bo Weaver told me years ago he would. He would bring his 416 in the original box with the actual little paper user manual with the mic saying, this is, this this is, is what this thing. is. Yeah. It's way less of an issue now than it was 10 to 15 years ago. Right. Right. Because the TSA has been trained over those many, many years to learn what these things are. I'm, I'm always amazed. I just traveled last week and I had my Pelican 1510 road rollerboard hard shell case just packed to the hilt with lights, mics, cables, all just a big giant mess. Right. Yep. And I watched that guy go, I watched him look at it and he passed it through within about five seconds. And I was like, that's amazing. Yep. That guy's, that guy's seen a lot. Yep. He, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, you want to take things out that would be flagged immediately um, and, and considered possibly threatening, but um, you know, all the other stuff that's not as critical, probably the user, probably the audio interface can go in your suitcase, certainly cables and other accoutrement that you might want to have with you, a light or things like that. But I still think it's pretty smart to bring your your microphone on the plane yeah. with you. Particularly if you are, you know, you got your 416 or something like that, right? You got, you got some money wrapped up there. It is a pipe bomb adjacent. Yes. Or it's called a shotgun mic. Yes. <laughs> Just try to refrain from the shotgun Re description. Yeah, find a different <laughs> word. So I'm really looking forward to having my tri booth here soon it's it's oh, ordered cool. it's coming i'm excited to have oh, it oh wow we spent, I didn't know we that. spent a lot great. of time visiting uh my my mother-in-law like i said you know five or six weeks a year sometimes we're up there and i'm recording in hotels and i i'm just tired of building the pillow forts is this so, the infomercial segment this is the infomercial segment so i'm <laughs> okay. excited about the tri booth but but <laughs> tell us about it because i think this is something that's really cool and you know if you don't want to rearrange the furniture and stand up the couch and box yourself in with the mattress or whatever, it feels like this is just a much more convenient fix. So talk to us a little bit about the tri-booth. So who's the tri-booth for, first of all? The tri-booth is for someone that does is a pro. They record a lot. Their sound quality is part of their brand. It's just they, they've established a great sound. Their clients are accustomed to it. They have a booth at home they work from, and they want to take that sound with them. The tri-booth, I think, is arguably the best product to do this. Mm -hmm. So what it is, it's, it's a folding, travelable booth. Now, it takes, it, it, we, I feel, and Rick Wasserman, who's the owner of tri-booth, and my client, and the one who developed the product, I feel like it's the, it's the Goldilocks between the smaller portable booths that are out there, and there's, yep. we know them all, yep. and the, and the, totally non-travelable booth, like a whisper room or anything, yep. right? Yeah. This is like the middle, the, the middle ground between them. Just so right. Yeah. It's, it's a hopefully just right. 
Now, in terms of travelability, to get the results that we were looking for and still be checkable as a bag, we had to we had to keep the weight under a certain amount. Right. Let's assume it's going to go in an, a checkable suitcase. Well, those are usually seven or eight pounds. Mm -hmm. That means the booth itself has to be under 42 pounds, yep. right? Blankets and all. Yep. So that was our weight restriction. So we had to, everything we did when we designed this booth was to make it checkable as a normal suitcase, right? So that was our major design restriction. That was one. Yep. Two, still get really good sound out of something portable, obviously paramount. So that took some experimenting to how much material do we need? How many layers? Where do we put it? Do we need it to go all the way to the floor or can we have it be off the floor a little bit? Yep. That's something that people ask about. How can it, how can it be soundproof if it doesn't go up down to the floor? Right. It ain't soundproof, kids. It's a portable 40 pound <laughs> thing. It ain't going to be soundproof. Yep. Does it reduce some room tone noise? It does. I've had people tell me that they, when they set it up, it reduced certain aspects of the room tone to a point where it was more acceptable, which I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yep. We we don't intend it to be soundproof and it physically can't be when a six to 800 pound booth is what you're looking at yep. for soundproofing, right? So, but the other thing was to make it something that an actor can deploy and use without having a freaking panic attack. George, is it easier to build <laughs> than Ikea furniture? <laughs> oh my God, yes. Like that's yeah, really the main thing yeah. here. That's that's what it comes down to. Can I build this easier than I could build something from IKEA? <laughs> I, I've seen the competitors online that sell them much less expensively on Amazon. I know they're out there. Yep. I've seen the other ones out there, and they all say, you know, hyperbole like assembles in minutes. And then you you see it's just a pile of plastic tubing or aluminum, and you have to put it all together, right? So when we first built it, that's what it was. It was a pile of tubes that you had to fit together, right? like Lincoln Logs, and we knew how to do it, but we realized, oh my gosh, you give this to an actor. <laughs> I'm gonna use my quintessential, I love her so much, just went to her wedding. She knows, she's, she knows who she is, and so she won't mind if I say this. My archetypal actor is Lori Allen. Okay. If Lori Allen can pull this out of the case, <laughs> assemble it under the duress of travel and the stress of a client session coming and use it, which she did, the, I know it's the right. This is the measuring actors. stick for success yes. here, and we've we've achieved it. And I love Lori so much. She is a tr actor's actor, right. right? Very right brain. This is who this thing was designed for. So it it. it I'm not going to say it assembles itself, but the thing is that we bungeed together, connected, interconnected many of the parts, as many as we could, so that when you pull the thing out, they, they're they already connected to right. each other. And that was the huge revelation. Um, it's like a tent, you know, where the poles have a, it's an elastic? It's, the pieces are pre-elastic together, which tremendously makes it easier. Yep. Because you pull, the, there's really, it really ends up being five assemblies. The top piece the bottom piece and the three legs. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's definitely easier than a tent. Perfect. Um, it's a, maybe the same or easier. It's again, it depends on how much you've done it. If you've how never many, done how it. many Legos did you have when you were a kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how, yeah. How, how, how much aptitude do you have for this stuff? Again, people that are not technical, people that don't like building Ikea furniture, this is still something that they can deploy and use with a pretty minimal amount of frustration. Right. 
that was a really most, that was a very important part of the design of this product, right? Yep. So good sound, light enough to travel as a regular suitcase, easy to assemble when you're there. But another side effect of it is just great ergonomics. Mm -hmm. Every temp booth we talked about, travel situation, requires you to contort your body into some shape that's other than being standing up at your natural position at a microphone with the script at the right height, the mic at the right spot. And this allows you to do all those things. Um, it just, it's just very well thought out so that it feels like you're in your studio at right. home. Would you, dry, would you drag this thing along for a one-night over, overnighter? I don't think so. Probably not. Would you drag it along for a one week on the road? Um, yeah, I would yep. say for sure. Yep. Joe Cipriano famously took his to, to Europe, took it to multiple locations. His clients never knew any different uh, as he traveled. Um, and many others. Um, David That's a pretty K good endorsement well. right there, right? If it's good enough for Joe. <laughs> David Kay, another guy. Yep. Um, we've got a lot of, I mean, you know, in our business, famous A-lister voice actors who use this thing because it was designed by another one of them, yep. <laughs> Rick Wasserman. He is a pro working voice actor, has been for 18 years, and I've known him about that long. And, um, you know, it, we just, he designed it for himself. Right. It, that's the bottom line. And he is a perfectionist when it comes to detail and production quality. It's super important to him. And he found out other people felt the same way, and that's how it ended up becoming a product. And now... We're in, we're we're gonna sell 400 units maybe by the end of the year. That's amazing, pretty incredible, right? Yep. Still hand built by he and his wife. Wow. In uh, Ashland, Oregon, where they live, and uh, I went and visited them a couple weeks ago. Beautiful place. Working out of the garage, making them in batches of ten. That's amazing. You can't. I mean, that's just. It's amazing. Yep. It's just because we haven't found anybody that can make some of the parts well. Every time we would try to have somebody else sew this or make that, Rick's like, no, man, it doesn't look right. They didn't do it right. Yeah, it might work, but it doesn't look quality the way we would do it. And so he's been, it's, it is art artisanal as it gets. Huge respect for that level of detail. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, well, the, and that's I mean, the tribe. For the moment anyway, I guess the nice thing is that it's not something that you need to, you know, crank out a hundred thousand of these things a year, right? So you, you have the ability to have that, that level of, of detail to it. So that's awesome. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about getting mine because I can't tell you how many times. Well, nowadays, heck, you go into a hotel room, half the time they don't even have an ironing board or they, they don't keep extra blankets in the rooms now. And you're trying to track down all this stuff. And I was like, this is just a pain in the butt. And yeah. I hate going through this every single time. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to having a, a solution that, that ties all of that together. So and the fifth leg of the stool is the service. Yeah. Rick's customer service is none like is not like anybody. He he is happy to talk to people, answer questions. Um, you know, great customer service. And when every single booth you buy comes really with me, because I will either build for you a filter, mm -hmm. which is like like we're talking about making a tuning setup that will try to emulate the sound you do at home, right? Or if you did opt not to, we can just do a thirty minute one on one consult and just talk over the setup, make sure you did it right, ask, answer all your questions, up to you. But right. that's part of the purchase of every single booth. So that's another thing that's going to set it apart from the rest. So I hope you enjoy yours. And at some point, we'll either be talking or you'll be hearing your audio yep. and I'll be making a filter for you. That's awesome. <laughs> so 
let's wrap up with you. You offer a lot of different services to voice actors as George the Tech, uh, you know, helping people design booths, build booths, soundproofing equipment, stacks, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Uh, give us kind of a run through of, of some of the different services that are available. And uh, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do we do it? Yeah, we do. We, I mean, the the most cost effective, high value thing you can possibly do on our site is get a sound check. So, um, if you're on the site for the very first time and you want sort of a more of a white glove feeling, mm-hmm. click the first timer button at the top, and th- that will take you to an information form. Fill that out. Give us as much information as you can. And Rich Green, who's an awesome guy on our team, will. Look at what your needs are, evaluate what you're doing. And if it's really simple, he'll probably help you out himself. And if it's something more specific, he'll say, oh, this is what you actually need and send you the information, you know, give you the service links that you need to go to the next step. So that right away is like something that I'm really proud of that we can do now. Um, We also have, like you said, it's soup to nuts. It is just basic sound checking, listening to your file, studio design services from start to finish. Um, It's setting up processing, it's training. We have a library of webinar and module content. Webinars are gonna be be an hour to two. They're usually have, they've usually been done live. We schedule them throughout the year and then we put them up on the library that you can do a, uh, what do you call it? Video on demand, right? You can buy and watch the video as much as you want. And we also have a bunch of modules that are going on there. Those are usually shorter more smaller topics, but yep. I'm filling up that library with a lot of really useful nice. information. Um, we have seven videos now that are on the site that are really just the seven fundamental things voice actors need to learn just to get started with the home studio. Right on. So we have all that going on, but that's not all. But wait, there's more. I'm on a website that's about marketing. I would be insane not to have an offer <laughs> for you guys. So by the time this airs, um, we will have a landing page at georgethe.tech slash MS. Okay. If you go to slash MS, um, we will have a coupon code for you for some specials um, to give you a deal on your services. So just use slash MS. That's awesome. It's not built yet. Uh, I've, I've, you know, last minute I was like, oh crap, I need to have it. You'll have time. But it's oh. not live. It's not live. So we can I can do it later. Um, but that will be up on the site and you, there'll be some coupons and i usually will feature a few specific services that are nice. great for you guys that will be helpful to you so we have that for you as well as an offer that's awesome well thank you very much for that i appreciate that and i know some people will definitely take advantage of it well george this has been amazing and i think that the only thing left to do now is to tell people that while you are traveling this holiday season uh building all of your various and assorted pillow forts and flipping up your couches and mattresses you gotta you gotta post it on instagram and tag george and i so that we can we could see what you're up yeah. to and see how you've applied the the things that you've learned in this this episode to help you build an even better pillow fort. Or, you know, maybe everybody's going to go out and, and ask Santa for a, a tri booth for Christmas. And that would be that'd be amazing, too. Yeah. Please put at George the Tech. I'm at George the Tech on all the platforms. Right and, you know, definitely tag me so I can see what you're doing. We'll, that would be great. Definitely tag us both. That's awesome. All right, George. Well, thank you so much for your time and for all the wisdom that you've shared and, and for the, the recommendations as well. We'll include some of that stuff in the in the show notes so people can come back and, and reference that very easily. Some of the equipment, the microphones, interfaces, et cetera. Uh, this has all been really helpful. Thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Mark. 
I know that I'm going to be doing some travel this holiday season, and I can't wait to get my tri-booth set up and do some recording from the road. If you are going to be traveling to visit family, spend some time at a getaway over the course of the holidays, enjoying some vacation, whatever it is, and you're going to have to set up and record, hopefully some of these tips will be very helpful for you. And by the way, if you're curious about any of the gear that George has mentioned in this episode, it's all available in the show notes, so you can check that out with links to all of the different microphones, interfaces, etc. Remember, when you get that travel booth set up, tag me, at Mark Scott, and tag George, at George the Tech, post it on Instagram, share it in your stories. We would love to see pictures of all the different fun studio setups that you guys are building this holiday season. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO Pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around, tens of thousands of client interactions later, and six years of amazing customer service, and not a single negative complaint, ever. UpperLevelHosting.com. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com.